So, I've never really been the biggest fan of human rights activists, and one of those reasons is because I feel like they honestly just don't care about my nut. They don't. Until now. Because a human rights activist by the name of Boniface Mwangi has appealed to the Kenya Revenue Authority on confiscating and banning the sex toys that have been coming into the country. And would you look at that? He is now my favorite human rights activist. I'm not doing this just for the fun of it. Like, this is something that is actually very, very good. Not just as somebody that likes to talk about the conjugal arts, you know, even though it's in one player mode in this case. You know, this is something that's actually quite important. And he tried to bring out the importance of it because he felt that confiscating them and getting rid of them as they were coming into the country was robbing them of taxes. And they are the taxman. So why refuse something that can actually bring in more taxes? And I think he's actually onto something here. Because one, the KRA, well, according to the Kenyan government, sex toys are actually illegal. So you can't bring in your little Samantha or or any other sex toy into the country. Of course, there's people that can do it through back-end channels, but it's actually illegal to have sex toys. But when you think about it, we are a nation full of people that like to fuck. And if you can't get most of your nut out with someone else, then why not do it yourself? And there's a lot of smartness in that when you think about it. So if you have more sex toys out in the market, one, the prices of sex toys could go down and that might mean more revenue for them because they'll be collecting taxes on that shit both ways in the name of VAT, in the name of customs and shit. And on top of that, the fact that there'll be more of them in the market, it means that the lot of Kenyans that like to fuck a lot, instead of them trying to go and get somebody, they'll be spending their money on a sex toy. And because most of them don't know how to use a sex toy, they'll probably end up fucking up and buying another sex toy, which means even more taxes. So this man is actually onto some very smart shit. Although then again, I could just be dumb and I could be making all of these comments because I have no idea what kind of impact this has to the general populace. So I'm just gonna kind of leave it at that and move on to something that I have a lot more experience in, which happens to be this podcast, which I should probably start. And I usually like to start by saying... Welcome to Breaktime on Westside, your number one Breaktime podcast, coming to you from Nairobi, Kenya. The man on the mic is a man who believes in treating Samantha a little better, sex toy pun intended. He is a man who used to think that Bukaki was a Japanese form of martial arts. It is none other than your tall, dark, and mildly handsome man, Sir Denver B. The show is Tweet Street, the show where we take a deep dive into Twitter, pull up a couple of tweets, and break them down a little bit. Now, as usual, the drill is pretty simple. I usually make sure I repeat the drill so that each and every one of you, if you are listening to the episode for the first time, if it's your second time, if it's your 71th time, you get the drill so that you know where to send me the tweets if you want me to break them down. And it's usually a very simple drill. You can even recite it if you know it. And if you don't know it, then just listen because it goes like this. You see that tweet, you like that tweet, you want us to discuss that tweet, you send that tweet. You send it to the DMs of at D, which happens to be my personal Twitter handle, and I will take it from there and I will handle it accordingly. If it is a screenshot, if it is a screen grab that you happen to find on Facebook or on IG, then you can send it to at Breaktime on Westside, and I will take it from there and I will handle it accordingly. Now, we should move it on to the tweets, but before we do that, I want us to go back to something that I was talking about last week. You remember how I was busy talking about how Will Smith and someone else were busy trying to change the whole topic of what it is that people are talking about them into something that makes them look better? Well, 
I come forth bearing another candidate of the same exact behavior. Now, sometime during the weekend and at the beginning of the week, a story came out where one of the social media influencers who's been around for a while here in Kenya, known as Risper Faith, had come out to expose a certain artist who had gone and gotten some services from a company that she was working with and she had refused to pay. Now, the artist in question is none other than Tanasha Donna, former radio presenter, influencer, and Diamond's baby mama, for those of you all that don't know her. And the company was a company that specialized in cosmetic surgery. Now, she went for a BBL, she being Tanasha, and she was supposed to go do the BBL and then promote the, the company and talk about, you know, their services and shit. But she went, she got the BBL, and she decided to go quiet. And that necessitated the company to slap her with an invoice of 850,000 Kenyan. Now, normally, you'd kind of look at that shit and you're like, you know what, it's one post, I can go, I can put it up, probably have it run for like a week, then take it back down or some shit. But she decided to go quiet and she decided to not pick up calls. And yes, now that 850k debt is sitting there. And to make matters worse, she hadn't even completed her procedure. And from what I've been told about Brazilian butt lifts, if you don't complete the procedure, because, you know, that in and of itself as a procedure in the entirety of the process is actually quite risky, you could pose even bigger risks to yourself. But instead of going back to the company and asking them to take down whatever it is that they said and say that it was a lie or some shit, and they can complete the procedure and she can do the post so she can pay the 850k, she decided to reach out and actually call out bloggers and talk about how they are not helping her in doing something constructive like promoting her music, which is nowhere near relevant to the fact that she went and got a BBL and refused to pay for it. So in a sense, she's trying to make herself look like a victim here of targeting and bad press instead of actually just coming out and saying you know what i had an agreement of such and such and this is what happened or you know probably she could have just kept quiet but she decides to come out and talk about the whole music thing and here's some of my questions for this because you know there's definitely somebody who might be thinking this that probably hasn't just said it out loud first of all um is your music good enough that we should promote it like, people usually like talking about, oh, promote, 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 promote. But first of all, ask yourself, is it good enough to promote? And personally, for me, I'm not a fan of her music. I've listened to one or two songs that are okay at best. And honestly, I don't see that much to promote. Then secondly, besides the song that she released on the day when she decided to address the entire thing, she hasn't released music in about six months. So what exactly was there for her to promote? Don't get me wrong, I'm not against the idea of promoting an artist, but what was that to promote? Like, the bloggers got themselves a story on how you got a BBL and you don't want to pay for it and you don't want to pay it in kind in the butter trade that was agreed upon and you come up to say that we're not promoting you. If anything, when you actually think about it, there's actually nothing there for the bloggers to promote. And if anything, this is publicity. Like, there's that thing that people always say all the time. There's no such thing as bad publicity. So if anything, this is helping you. This is us promoting you. If us were, were to be the bloggers, because I'm not one of them. Like, 
why is it that she's suddenly picking a fight with bloggers saying oh you know you don't promote me busy playing the victim card she's being promoted over here it's just that she's being promoted with you know an unpaid bbl so if anything she's still gaining out of all of this so at least if she's being promoted through bad publicity then why can she at least just go back and pay these people have them withdraw say that it was a hoax get the influencers that leaked the story to come back and say no i had a grudge against her then people can doubt her credibility for like a week or some shit then they'll move on to the next trendy thing instead of coming out to start saying why isn't it that these people aren't promoting me you people just look at my downfall you guys just want to talk about all the bad things that happened to me why is it that people can't just try and play things a little bit better like going around the site trying to avoid the entire issue like that kind of escapism just usually looks very cowardly but then again i guess cowards do tend to live longer than some of us quote-unquote heroes so maybe this was a much better tactic for her although i'd have honestly thought that if i was her i'd have just posted up a picture showing that i have a much bigger booty now and using it to promote my music because that would have been a much better way to avoid the entire thing or at least to go around the entire thing and maybe you can tag the company for like i don't know a week or maybe two and then you'll have gotten your full money's worth and shit because you can go and say that yes you agreed to post up for them and you wanted you posted up for them and if anything you didn't even have to do that much of a post the whole idea was promoting them and you already did that shit like that's a smart way of getting around this entire thing and at least you know for niggas like us we'd probably see if that booty was actually worth it or if it was just a joke but anyways that said we should probably move it on to the tweet so on to the very first tweet wait you lot are telling your girl pals every time you link up with somebody like the group chat wow that's hilarious all right granted i can kind of understand why babes would do this guys usually don't do it so i'm not even gonna try and assume that guys do this because i know it's babes that usually do this and the person that did tweet this was a guy and considering a lot of what babes can go through at the hands of you know serial killers weird homies and shit i can understand why they do that and i fully support it i think it's good to actually prioritize your security i just wish that most of y'all would do the same when you go to places like clubs and shit but well that's a discussion for a different time that's a discussion for a different time like when you look at the shit that can happen to babes when they go on a random date with somebody they don't know it kind of makes sense why they do that and it would kind of be understandable to just about anyone who at least tries to think of their situation and the fact that you know they need to be worried about their security because this is somebody that you don't know you're going out on a date and there's someone that you don't know because i can remember last year i think there was a story about the guy that had gone to pick up this babe to take her out on a date and shit and that met up online or some shit and she went and she started taking pictures of the license plate of like the car at the back and like the entire car and shit and the guy ended up leaving her and saying oh you know if you can't trust me blah 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 and i can remember how people were kind of enraged that that shit happened and i could understand both sides because one side is like if you can trust me enough to take you out on a date then can't you trust me enough to not have to you know make some paranoid shit up and i totally understood that and i could also understand where the babe was coming from 
but because i know that i'm not most or all guys and i cannot speak for every single man out there and there are guys who may not know or understand this shit then I feel like you should probably be a little bit more low-key about it. Because I do understand the need for safety, but you doing it outrightly can give somebody the wrong impression if they don't understand why you're doing it. So for the babes, I'd probably advise that you instead take an Uber. Don't necessarily have him pick you up. Just take an Uber instead. At least that one you can have tracked. And you can send a picture of the guy that you got from either WhatsApp or IG, wherever it is that you guys were howling at each other from because it's not like you're going out on a date with somebody that you don't know so if you're gonna send the picture to the group chat or to the babes or to your best friend then do that and send you know like share your right details and shit so that if you know where it is you're meeting up they'll know about it if you are taking an uber they'll know about it and they'll know the guy well enough that they can plaster his name and his details for the authorities in the likely event that he turns out to be somewhere do serial killer or some shit Although, at the same time, I think guys would probably benefit from this information as well. Although, at the same time, they wouldn't because you don't hear that much about female serial killers taking guys out on dates. And most times, for us guys, our fears and our problems with security don't usually come in before the relationship. They usually come in after. Because considering that most guys are typically stronger than the babes that they'll go out on dates with or that they'll date you find that it's easier for the babe to not necessarily attack before the relationship but rather during the relationship which is why we tend to be a bit more scared of giving a babe the keys to the house because if you guys argue and she's the dramatic type she can go and wreck all of your shit of which a lot of that shit is very expensive she can fake having a baby with you to get child support and shit like our fears usually come when you're in the relationship not before it and the worst part about it is it's very hard for us to kind of counter whatever issues that might arise in terms of our security be it financial be it physical be it of any kind but then again that's a discussion for a different time and we should probably move it on so on to the next tweet the feminine urge to marry a dominant and protective man who works hard and has him only having eyes for me is that over everything well this is actually a pretty self-explanatory thing to kind of just state out but the reason why i wanted to have this tweet here is because this sounds like a very very realistic set of demands like i'm used to seeing babes talking about soft life you know if the man can't hold me all through the night blah 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 i don't care if he turns if he can't pay for me to go on trips if if he can't fuck me the entire night you know i don't want him like i'm used to hearing a lot of that shit on the internet and you kind of get used to seeing the unrealistic demands but when you find somebody talking about how she wants a dominant and protective man who works hard and only has eyes for her like that's actually very attainable like okay maybe the only having eyes for her might be a little bit harder but for the most part all of this shit is very attainable because one it's not restricted to wealth it's not restricted to lasting times in bed and more so than that like this is something that you can find a lot of guys being able to do and this is actually how you find women will kind of rate guys instead of looking for the whole monetary side of it because you find a lot of people talking about money this money that i want a guy that does six figures and shit but when you actually pay attention to it 
when you look at the natural selection, men are usually selected for their ability, their capability, and their resourcefulness. Like those are the main things that determine it. The problem is right now, wealth is quite possibly one of the biggest and best determinants of a man's capability. And while that could be a good determinant, there's people who might not really have as much wealth, but you find that in terms of things like influence and social capital, they're doing really, really well. Because I know guys that don't necessarily have that much cash, but they just need to make a phone call and shit can be done. They might not have the 50k for the bail when they're being taken to the cell, but they won't even check into that cell in the first place. And that kind of influence and power is actually something that would probably benefit a lot of women who might still be thinking that a man with a lot of money is a good catch. Also at the same time, the fact that she says that she wants a protective man who works hard, like it doesn't necessarily restrict it that much. The fact that he can be dominant, the fact that he can be protective, and the fact that he works hard pretty much fulfills the three main P's that most guys are supposed to hit at, which is provide, protect, and penetrate. Actually, no. Okay, yeah, yeah, when I actually think about the sex, but yeah, he should also work hard in the bedroom. So, in a sense, this is probably the most realistic set of requirements that a babe has spoken about on the internet that I have seen this entire year. All I've been seeing is unrealistic shit, this is the most realistic one, and I honestly feel like this babe will have a much better pick of guys simply because she actually opened her set of options up a lot more as opposed to a lot of these babes that go and restrict their numbers so much and then end up getting disappointed when the guy that they want probably doesn't want to be faithful with them or isn't even interested in them at all. But anyways, that said, let us move it on to our next tweet. When I tweet against masturbation, some young men flock the comment section with anger and resentment. They are slaves and prisoners of masturbation. Three years later, they will struggle with erectile failure, low self-esteem, and blame their ex for bewitching them. Masturbation is unmanly. It takes away your masculine spirit. It deflates your life force. It turns you into a weak, effeminate man who cannot take control of his cravings in life. This makes you a vulnerable man who can easily be manipulated by toxic women. I respectfully disagree. I'm not fully disagreeing with everything that's been said, but I disagree with quite a bit of it. When you say that you talk against masturbation, I can kind of understand why. Because when you think about it, masturbation, especially for a lot of guys, is something that is very easy to get addicted to because unlike alcohol, which you can go out and pay for, and if you run out of money, then you won't necessarily be having that much access to it. You know, there's open and closed times and shit. Unlike that, which will definitely have its own social rules and laws that kind of govern it, with masturbation, it's pretty much you having yourself as a drug of sorts. And you can access it at just about any time. You know, you can do it as much as, you know, your body can allow it. So it's very easy for a lot of young guys who aren't getting some, who are horny, to go ahead and just fall into the trap of being addicted to the masturbation. And... For that, yes, I do think that masturbation, if overdone, whatever version of overdone it is, can actually be harmful for you. But to say that three years later they'll struggle with erectile failure, low self-esteem and blame their ex for bewitching them, I don't agree with that shit. Because there's people who've masturbated 
for most of their lives. You might even find they're in their 40s and they started when they were teens or some shit, or maybe even their 20s. And they've managed to go on pretty well. And the idea with, you know, consuming a drug or, or you know, engaging in a certain vice of any kind is learning to control yourself. Like, that's the same shit with alcohol, it's the same shit with weed, you know, with drugs and shit. Hell, even sex. And while the majority of people will always talk about how, oh, such and such is bad for you, such and such is bad for you, for the most part, you actually realize that the people that learn to control themselves with it actually do either benefit or have zero negative effects, or if there are any negative effects at all, they're incredibly minimal. Because when you think about the, the research that always talks about, oh, you know, ejaculation at least 21 times a month can reduce prostate cancer for men by 50%. Well, how many women will allow themselves to get fucked by a single dude 21 times in a month? How many babes, or at least how many guys can get a babe or babes to do that 21 times a month? Barely any. Like, there's a very, very small percentile of men. Like, even out of the 20% of guys that get all the ass, like, there's an even smaller percentage within that 20% that can actually do that on such a frequent basis. So a lot of guys will turn to something like masturbation. But the trick in all of this is control. If you can't learn to control, then you're the one that ends up losing. And that's where the people who get addicted kind of fall under. Because the people that aren't able to get any ass and choose to not put any effort at all and just choose to just sit back and simply masturbate the entire time and become addicted, well, they fall under this category. They're the ones that might definitely have self-esteem issues because you're not approaching a porn star so that you can watch them get fucked. You're just keying in a couple of details and then you get, you know, one, two, you know, a couple of thousand, maybe even a million videos. As opposed to you hitting on a girl which will raise your dopamine and yes you can get rejected but if you learn to live with the rejection and push on then you'll be a lot better off so at the end of the day if you can't control it then don't bother getting into it if you want to try finding out whether you can control it or not then you know that's your risk to take but at the end of the day it's all about control control and responsibility if you learn to be responsible with yourself and you learn to control yourself so that your urges to things like drugs, alcohol, and sex, you know, you know, ranging from stuff like, you know, actually sleeping with somebody all the way till masturbation, then the cons that come with this same acts will either be minimized or you probably might not even experience them at all. Although then again, I'm not a trained professional and I could be wrong about all of this. So I want your thoughts on it. The DMs are open on Twitter. You can slide into my personal handle, which is at BagakaTheD. Drop the DMs over there. On IG and Facebook, it is at Breaktime on my side. You can reach out to me there and I will attend to it accordingly. Thank you so much for listening all the way till the end. And if you are listening through CastBox, feel free to drop your thoughts and comments below and I will attend to them accordingly. If you are using an app that allows for ratings and reviews, a rating and or review will be appreciated greatly. And I will catch you guys on the next break. <laughs>